Good morning, church. All right, well, today starts a new series for us, so I hope you're excited to hear it. I'm excited to speak about it, but I feel a little humbled in that, you know, when you have like a, it's kind of like when you have a dinner and you have a really huge, gigantic plate in front of you, and they ask you, do you think you could finish this? You know, you, you probably feel like, yeah, I could do it. But, yeah, but as you get into it, it's just a lot. So today is just a huge undertaking in terms of what we're about to start with, and I feel very challenged by it. I feel very humbled by it. And, uh, you know, I, I hope I'm up to the task. It's really a lot. Um, you know, the series we're going to be doing is going to be about eight weeks or so, um, but it really challenges us as speakers uh, to, to, you know, to go very deep into this and yet, uh, you know, be able to hit our audience. So let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer uh, as we uh, embark on this undertaking here on this journey and uh, pray for God to speak and not myself. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this morning, for the awesome congregation uh, that you've made us a part of. I pray, God, that whoever may be visiting, uh, friends, family, neighbors, God, that you, uh, that you help them to be blessed, as you talk about in the scripture here, uh, that you help us to really find true happiness, as you've called us to. Uh, Lord, speak through me. I pray that your very words uh, are what are uttered today uh, from my mouth. I pray, God, that uh, that seed is planted in the hearts of all the people that are here this morning, uh, that leads it to grow in their heart and to bear much fruit. I pray, God, that we become people that are kingdom-minded, kingdom-focused, that we truly find the happiness that you want us to have, to find in God that true joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the title of the series that we are starting is, What Makes You Happy? Oh, let me go back here. What Makes You Happy? And it's a series from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. You know, ask yourself, what is it that makes you happy? And here's the definition of what the Scripture's talking about. The word that's used many, many times here, is makarios, which means blessed, happy, fortunate, well-off, supremely blessed, or happiest. We all want to experience this, right? I want to be blessed. I want to be happy. I want to be supremely blessed. I want to be the happiest of all. And in the audience today, we have somebody experiencing that right now. Somebody that's happiest of all. We had a couple get engaged on Friday. And that's Chris and Lois. Where are they? Chris and Lois, go ahead and stand on up. Come on. I would say that Chris is a lot more blessed than Lois, right? But Lois would not agree with that. No, Chris is an awesome guy. You know, God's blessing is upon you guys, and truly you have found something great in one another. And because both of you love God, I know that God is going to bless your life incredibly. But we want that feeling, don't we? We want that newly engaged feeling all the time. 
I just found my life partner. I found my best friend. We want that feeling. What else makes us feel really happy, really blessed? Food, right? Your favorite foods, perhaps you love going to eat lobster. You know, and Krista and I are going on vacation this week, uh, starting tomorrow, and we're going to go with the Garcias, and I'm sure we're going to eat some seafood because we're going to Ensenada, right? Right by the beach. It's actually right on the beach where we're going. So we're, we're blessed in that. We find some joy in that, right? What else makes you happy? The Lakers winning. They've been trying to win for a long time. Hopefully you, hopefully you don't try to find your joy there because you may not get it. Any, anything else makes you happy? Chocolate. Chocolate makes you happy. Re yes. Rebecca. Woo! Congratulations. That's awesome. Love makes you happy, right? Basset hounds make you guys happy, right? Yeah, they have, they have a big basset hound. What's his name again? Axel. Yeah, like Axel Rose, I assume. Yeah. Gina? Peace of mind. Makes you happy. Yeah, that does. That brings, whoo, calming feeling. Oh, I feel blessed. Yes. Who else is raising their hand back there? Sports? Well, time off of work. Yes, having a job hopefully makes you feel blessed, right? When you have crazy teens and they graduate high school and then they move away to college, you're like, woo, that's awesome, I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's how you may feel. No, but ours, our middle son is gonna be moving out soon uh, Nate Dog, and you know, though it's a blessing, we're going to cry a little bit because we're going to miss him, but let's go ahead and start reading in the scriptures for Matthew chapter 5 so we get into it here. So we're going to read through the passage first, and then I'm going to give you some background after that, and this is the passage that we're going to cover in all of our sermons, so I'm going to give it to you guys up front. Starting in verse 1, <clears throat> it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began teaching them. And he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know, in other translations, it would say, Happy is the man. Okay, also translated as blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, what makes you happy? What makes you blessed? That's a great question to ask ourselves and to ask people around us. 
that are seeking a walk with God. As we embark on this journey, on this little adventure with this series that's going to focus on the Sermon on the Mount, that's also known by scholars and theologians, by the way, as the Sermon on the Kingdom, because it talks about the kingdom life. And what a blessedness, what a happiness that comes from living by the Beatitudes, these things that we just read, or these kingdom principles. We all want to experience this happiness. You know, yet sometimes we define happiness as the world defines it. And so we can't find the true happiness that Jesus is talking about, this blessedness, this deep joy, this state of being that he's mentioning because we're trying to get happiness like the world gets happiness. Trying to find it in the Lakers or in food, right? Or in success. And that's all very temporary and fleeting. We could have it for little bits of time and then it's gone. You ever have that? That in, in a matter of a couple of minutes, you could go from great joy to like utter depression or despair and you're like man what happened am i bipolar what's going on with me and my emotions sometimes i could be this way and so the happiness jesus is talking about is not an emotional thing it's a state of mind and heart and spiritual being happiness is not something that jesus is connecting to our feelings does that make sense and so this is a big teaching point for Jesus as he goes through the Beatitudes. We can often go through the same situation as somebody else in the room, and we can react to it in totally different ways. While one has peace of mind and joy, that true happiness, the other one may be stressed out, you know, and completely depressed or anxious because of a situation. And we really need to start viewing things, I think, in a spiritual fashion if we're going to experience the true happiness, blessedness that Jesus is talking about. You know, I, I heard a story yesterday from my mom, and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't illustrate the point exactly, but I want you to see how, you know, two different points of view, or two people could, could have two different points of view about an occurrence, about an event, uh, and it changes kind of where they're at spiritually, or it determines, it tells you about that. There were two scientists who invented the H-bomb. You know, the, the, remember the, the big old cloud that, that when it blows up, the testing? And so these guys were out there testing this H-bomb, and as it went off for the first time, both of them looked in awe at what they had created. And one of them jumped up and down in his joy and said, no one will be able to oppose us. We're going to be the mightiest nation ever. And if they ever do, great destruction will come upon those people. He was fired up about what he created. The other guy sat there in tears, in complete shock, just depressed about what had happened. He fell to his knees and said, my God, what have I done? Many people will die because of what I've made. I don't know what I've done. I mean, this guy looked at things from a very different perspective as the other guy. 
And truly you see that his heart was in a more spiritual place. And even though it wasn't a joy that he was experiencing, it was more a contriteness and a brokenness, we see that we could get happiness from something in the world that God sees as completely different, as something that perhaps will bring you great harm or danger and not something good. And so Jesus is saying to them, what I offer you, this blessedness, is completely different than the world. And I don't want you to go after these things. Let me give you a little background here. In Matthew chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, you could, uh, you know, you could kind of briefly look through there. But what was going on in Matthew 4, even before that in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus had gotten baptized by John the Baptist, and the Spirit descended on him like a dove, and he heard the voice of the Father say, with, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Right, and he, he received the blessing of God and the Spirit and then Jesus, immediately after his baptism, goes out in the desert for a time of testing. He goes out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's sustained only by the Word of God and prayer. And he goes through physical, psychological, and spiritual suffering and testing during this time. Imagine not eating or drinking for 40 days. And you have Satan constantly gnawing at you, tempting you. This guy is suffering. Jesus was a man in the flesh. I think what it created in him was a great dependence on God. His strength came from drawing near to God. Instead of trying to find things outwardly that made him feel fulfilled, where did he go? He went to the Father. Even at the times when he was suffering the most in terms of his hunger. You know, Satan told him, make those stones become bread. Right? And he, and he tempted him in so many different ways. After that, after he, he leaves the desert, you would think that he would have gone to take a little vacation, right? Take a little break, take a little time to heal, lick his wound a little bit. But what does he do? He goes and begins to preach the gospel. He starts living the kingdom life. Everything that he knew about being blessed and true joy, true happiness, he knew that it came from God and living this life. And so he goes after it. And then he goes and calls his first disciples to follow him. That's Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And then we catch up with Jesus in the latter part of Matthew 4. And he runs into a bunch of people. And they're going through a hard time. So let's go over there in Matthew chapter 4. Let's start reading there. In verse 23, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Why were these people following him? Did they want to live the kingdom life? Is that what they wanted? They wanted to be healed, right? They wanted everything that ailed them. Jesus, get rid of this for me. Why? What did they want? They wanted happiness and joy as the world knows it. They wanted to be healed of the stuff that ailed them. And then let's continue in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and this is where we get into our text for this morning. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, 
Did he say he went and hung out with them all and cured every single disease and listened to all their stories of suffering and talked them down off the ledge and, and made them happy? Is that what it says? He gave them homes to live in. He gave them money so that they could buy food. Is that what he did? Because in our efforts to help people sometimes, we want to cure everything that ails them, right? We want to help them as they're suffering, as they're struggling. Let, let me go help you so that you can have no suffering in your life. That, that's not what he's doing. Now, people followed him because he did many, many times cure people and heal people, but that's not why he came. Jesus didn't come for that. He says, now, when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. And then what does he do? It says, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So his disciples came near, like the singers were singing up here in a little circle. His disciples came to him, and then you had all sorts of people. The huge crowds were all around along the mountainside. So he had his inner circle of disciples, and then people stood at a distance listening to him as he taught his disciples. And this is, this is very interesting. It's almost like if you've ever been in a college class where people are auditing the class. Have you guys ever seen that? Somebody comes in that's auditing the class. Maybe they don't really pay for the class or as much as they should, and they don't have to do the assignments, but they listen to the lecture, and they might take notes, and they might get something out of it, but then when you go to the grade book, their name's not in there, and they don't get a grade. They're not really part of the class, though. They're, they're kind of present. Okay, that's how these people were. They were kind of auditing what was going on. They weren't really in the class. They were kind of getting a little bit of a taste of what Jesus was like. They were fringy people. And Jesus started preaching about the kingdom life, and he sat down to teach them really to say, follow me. This is what I do. This is how I live. I want you to live this way. I want you to have this type of experience with the Father as I have, as I've had. But this kingdom life requires giving it all up. In Matthew chapter 13, I didn't put the scripture up here. Sorry, Rodney. Uh, Matthew 13, verses 44 and 45. I'm going to take you through a lot of scriptures this morning. So get your hands ready. Get them on your phone. Matthew 13, 44 and 45. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he sold everything he had and bought that pearl. He got that pearl. And so we have a situation here where the disciples, the inner circle, is being taught about the kingdom life, how to possess this happiness, this blessedness, and everybody's hearing it. All the suffering, all the hungry, all the homeless, all those that are struggling in life. They're hearing this, and they're probably thinking, Jesus, cure me from my suffering. 
Feed me because I'm hungry. Help me because my kids are struggling. And Jesus is teaching, hey, don't worry about all these things of the world. This world is temporary. Whatever it is you're struggling with, that disease, that illness, that pain, your hunger, that's going to be gone in a very short time. But what's eternal is what's going to remain. And so I want to teach you, I want to instill in you how to live that life here so you could attain that life in eternity forever. And he says to them about suffering and the kingdom life, happiness has nothing to do with physical comfort. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 11 through 13, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not, call, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So he talks about being healthy and being unhealthy here. He says that it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Okay, so what's he talking about here? If, he, if it's not that he came to cure suffering, he didn't. He came to heal our spirits that are ill, that are messed up. The type of suffering that Jesus came to deal with was not one that had to do with your physical body or something that was going to bring you physical comfort. In fact, he wants to deal with the spiritual being in every single one. He wants to bring you true blessedness and true happiness that comes from the Spirit. He didn't come with the purpose to heal people. He didn't come with the purpose of making people comfortable or giving them money. That may be shocking to you because the world preaches that all the time. If you follow Jesus and if you give this money, he's going to bless you. He's going to give you in abundance. Right? And we look at one or two scriptures and we almost take them out of context, thinking that I'm going to be so rich and so wealthy, I'm going to be so healthy, and I'm going to feel good. Most of the disciples that we read about in the Bible were killed. They lived lives that were not comfortable. They were not pleasant. Their lives involved suffering and pain. Yet I tell you what, they were blessed spiritually. They found true joy spiritually, and now they're living in heaven with God. And hopefully that's what we attain to. That true happiness, that spiritual embracing of a kingdom life that may not be all fun and games here in terms of physical comfort or financial independence, but hopefully it brings you true joy that blessedness, that feeling of I'm fortunate, so much so that I feel like I won the lotto. Because you have a great family in the church and you have a Father in heaven who loves you above all else. In Revelation verse one, or, or chapter one, verse nine, I never really paid attention to the scripture until yesterday. This is John who wrote this. He says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom 
and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So, John the Apostle was sent to a desert island in Patmos, or he was sent to this, desert, to this island all by himself, right? And he's struggling. He is not doing well in a sense. He's in isolation, and he's suffering in the kingdom. Wow, he says, I am your companion in suffering and the kingdom and in patient endurance. These guys suffered for the sake of the kingdom of God. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Wow. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. You know, you're going to suffer. Don't be, don't be surprised that you're going to suffer. The Christian life has a lot of suffering in it. We try to avoid suffering like the plague, right? It says, don't be surprised that you're going to suffer. As a matter of fact, embrace it. And not only embrace it, but what should our attitude be as we suffer? What does the Scripture say? Rejoice! I'm so fired up, I'm suffering! This is awesome! Do you do that? Right? We look for ways to cure ourselves of our suffering when we're suffering. And we even go to people in church and say, help me with my suffering. In campus, my girlfriend broke up with me. I can't believe it. I'm struggling. Right? And then God is probably like, dude, you're blessed. That's not the girl I wanted for you. Or, by the way, you're being a bonehead right now. That You're not the guy I want for that girl. What a blessing. What should you say? Amen, Lord, you know best. I'm fired up. I'm one step closer to the destiny you had for me. Thank you for clearing that out of the way. All right, you lose your job. You know, maybe you would have died at that job. Maybe you would have fallen away. Rejoice. Don't act as if something strange were happening to you. You know, maybe you lost that job because God is trying to discipline you. You're not a good worker. He's trying to make you more blessed spiritually. Maybe something was going to happen that was going to pull you away from God at that job. Man, my job makes me miss church all the time. Don't you see that as bad? Give that up so you can get the happiness and joy that God wants you to have. I talk to people all the time, bro, why aren't you here on Wednesday? Why don't you participate in kids' kingdom? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you give to God and live the kingdom life? Because my job won't let me. Well, why do you have that job? Well, it, it, I love it. It's my profession. I feel fulfilled. Well, you're, you're finding fulfillment in the wrong things. I know I went a little off topic there. But if it applies... 
run with it. You know, there's no bridging the gap between suffering and hope. The only route to true hope is through suffering and then perseverance and then character and then hope. Let's read about that because that may not make sense to you. Romans 5, uh, uh, Romans chapter 5, uh, 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering... Okay, so wait, wait, wait. We glory in our sufferings. What? Again, you know, we rejoice in it. Man, this is awesome. Why do we glory in our sufferings? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. It doesn't produce depression and anxiety. It should produce perseverance in you. What does that mean? That I'm going to see it through. I'm not going to quit. And what does that do? It produces character. It gives you character. We need to have Christian character, church. When you're going through suffering, stop whining and complaining. But embrace it and let it shape you to be the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. Persevere through it. Stop being a quitter and a whiner. Suck it up, buttercup. That's what I tell myself right there all the time. Suffering produces perseverance. And that builds character in you. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. And character, what does it bring? It brings hope. It creates hope because then you face another situation and maybe it's not as tough or it's equally tough and you say, I got this. Because God brought me through this before, I got this thing, right? Now you have hope in situations where perhaps before you felt hopeless. What is that? That's the blessedness of the kingdom life that God is talking about. Teenagers, you guys need to get this. I can't believe my friend is talking bad about me. Yes, they're worldly. Stop hanging out with worldly people. But you know what that suffering brings? Perseverance. Suck it up. Push through it. What's that going to do for you? It's going to build character. And that character is going to give you hope that when somebody else talks bad about you or they post something on Facebook about you, I know you guys don't use Facebook anymore. Teens, I'm not that old. Instacart or whatever you guys use. (laughs) That type of stuff. Building character comes through perseverance, through suffering, and that gives you hope that whatever situation you face, you're going to go to college one day and you're going to have a real life one day. You could overcome these challenges, but you can't bridge the gap between suffering and hope. We want to shortcut this. I just hope in God, but I'm all depressed because this is going on. Get up! Stop complaining and whining and go through the process that God wants you to go through. And he's, as Jesus is sitting down teaching his disciples this stuff about the kingdom, right? 
how to not be a delicate flower and fall apart as things happen, but to embrace the kingdom life. All these fringy people along the mountain are like, hmm, do we really want to follow this guy? Do we really want to be his disciples? What about you this morning? As you're hearing me say what I'm saying, do you really want to follow Jesus? You should rejoice at breaking up with your girlfriend, at losing your job, and maybe, you know, God taking you in a direction that you don't want to go. Think about that. Maybe you have a physical ailment that you just found out you're going to have for life. You know, I've been struggling with physical stuff almost my whole life. I've been really sick the last week and a half or so, in a lot of pain, have a hard time sleeping. I struggle physically, and I've struggled with this for about 25 years, all the time. And then I get people that come to me and say, Sergio, I'm really struggling with, you know, I, I got a splinter on my finger. This is, my, my, you know, my, my wife is being mean to me. And so what do I want to do? I want to minimize their struggle because my struggle feels so great to me and overwhelming. You ever do that with people? And you're like, shut up. I'm just being honest. And, and I told Kristen before, man, I don't know if some people would feel what I feel if they would just, you know, smile and kind of talk to people, and I think they'd probably be in the ER because I'm in so much pain all the time. And then I think about, man, what a, what a struggler and wretch that I am that I minimize people's suffering and pain, you know, because I feel like my stuff is more serious. You know, what a, what a loser. Why do, why do I think that stuff? And, and truly, people struggle. Our struggles are just as serious as other people's struggles in our own mind and our suffering. But what Jesus is saying to them is, guys, embrace the kingdom life. This stuff, this pain that I feel, these things that I go through, it's just temporary. I'm going to die one day, and hopefully I have the hope that I'm going to make it to heaven. But I'm not going to have that if I let the sufferings that I go through here be used by Satan to take me out spiritually. Jesus is saying, embrace the kingdom life. Stop being fringy and being on the outside, trying to do everything possible to free yourself from suffering so you could achieve the happiness that the world is trying to deceive you with or distract you with. To have no pain, to have no suffering, to have everything you need, you know, it, it, it's just not going to happen. You're always going to want more. And you're going to want the next best thing. You're going to want the bigger home. You're going to want the car with more gadgets. Your car's going to wear out. You know, you want the bigger position. And that pulls, all that stuff pulls you more and more away from God. Do you notice that in yourself? That you want more comfort, that you want less suffering. None of this is good. How do we embrace the kingdom life and the true happiness that God calls us to? We've got to consider all things garbage. Happiness does not equal academic or financial success. Campus. 
you know, if you're pursuing your career or your academics, you know, married, singles. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4b through 8b. That means, you know, the middle or the second sentence there. You guys ever notice that? There's two or three sentences sometimes in a verse, and they're labeled A, B, and C, by the way. There might even be a D every once in a while. It says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, this is Paul speaking, it says, I have more. That's kind of a silly argument. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Excuse me real quick. I'm, a, I'm adjusting my, my timer. My timer went wacky on me a little bit. All right. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Happiness does not come from wealth or academic success or being a big shot. You know, sometimes we pursue these things. I want to I wanna get bigger and better, and I want to have a better position and a higher position and more money and all these different things, all these accolades. And Paul had them all at that time. He says, look at me in the eyes of the world. I am awesome. To the Jews, I am the most awesome. And he, he, later on, he says, this is a silly argument. Because I'm saying it for your sake, and I want to help you. All these things that you see as awesome and good, and like, wow, you are somebody? He says, I consider them garbage, rubbish, worthless. All these things that we try to attain because we're going after our educations the way we are. The real reason why we should go after those things is that you could have an audience with people that you could preach the gospel to that perhaps other people would not have access to. That makes sense? If you're a straight-A student and it's easy for you or you're disciplined enough to be able to do that, you get on the dean's list because you could share your faith with those people on the dean's list. And you could be an example to other people of God's glory and God's power. Not because you want to be recognized as awesome. Look at me. I'm awesome. Look at the position I have. You know, I, I could walk with my head held high. Ain't I incredible? No, you're not. Maybe to the world you are. But to God, all those things are garbage. There's nothing greater than having a relationship with God. That's where true happiness lies. That's where true blessedness comes from. Consider all those things garbage. Why? That you may gain Christ. All these things are worth nothing. What did Paul do with all of that? Did he use it in his profession, in his calling? He was a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Who did he minister to? The Gentiles. What? 
right? This is like a professional baseball player, the best player in the MLB. And he says, I'm leaving all that. I'm going to go coach T-ball. <laughs> what? You achieved all this success to go reach a people that don't know anything about God. To coach the lowest of the lowest. Now, I think God did that for a couple of things, to help Paul with his pride. You know, God wants to help us with our pride. And he wants you to consider your academics, your job, your successes, whatever achievements. You know, we like to put that out. Hi, my name is Sergio. I have a master's degree, by the way. I'm pretty awesome. I don't have a lot of hair, but I did at one time. Let me show you a picture. Right? We want to put our best foot forward. We want to do that stuff. Like, you know, like somebody's going to say, wow, you're super awesome. Has somebody ever told you that when you introduced yourself and your titles? Man, I'm really impressed. That is incredible. I've never met someone as awesome as you. People don't say that. That's dumb. So all that stuff that you do, consider it garbage. Consider it garbage. God doesn't want to use that stuff to build you up. He may use that stuff, who knows, to bring glory to himself. But guys, we're, we're nothing. Consider it all garbage that you may gain Christ. Let's finish off here. Here are some additional scriptures to study that I want to give you. And I read one of them already, but look at Philippians chapter 4, 12 through 13. That scripture says, I know what it is to be in need. This is Paul again. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, again, he, he's talking about, hey, I, I don't need all this physical comfort I don't need all this wealth. I don't need all these material things. I don't need my titles. I don't need to fit in to the elite of the world. I consider all those things garbage because happiness and blessedness to me does not come from any academic success, any worldly victories. It doesn't come from any financial success or owning all these things. I have gained Christ, and because of that, I have everything I need. I am supremely blessed. I am the happiest of the happy. I am victorious. I am fortunate. I feel like I've won the lotto. So as Jesus is teaching the disciples, and all the people on, your, on the fringes are listening in, you know, considering, do we really want to follow Jesus? Do we really want to embrace this kingdom life? Ask yourself the question, what truly makes you happy? The things of this world or the life that Jesus is offering to you? This kingdom life.
Church, this morning, I posed that question to you. Not just theoretically, but really practically. Will you follow Jesus and embrace true happiness by living the kingdom life? Think about that. If you're visiting with us this morning, commit to studying the Bible. And today, again, I felt so inadequate to even speak on this. I, I, didn't, even, I didn't even touch the surface. There is so much there. But whoever brought you to church, your friends that are here with you, your family, they want to teach you about the kingdom life and all that it entails. Ask them what truly makes them happy. If you've been a Christian a short time or a long time, and you feel like you're chasing things of this world, and perhaps you feel like, man, I'm not finding happiness in my walk with God, it's because you've gotten away from truly grounding yourself in Christ. Um, consider that. Root yourself back in Christ again. Janet was telling me, hey, when are you going to preach about being rooted in Christ? No, we got to do that. We've done that before, but root yourself in Christ if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a Christian. And remember that that's where your true happiness is. And that's where it'll be found. Everything else, garbage. What makes you happy? Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the IE Church of Christ podcast. If you would like to connect, you can follow us at iechurch.com or look up IE Church Riverside on Facebook for more information.